Benifer is back. Brad and Jen are friends again. And Paris Hilton is somehow still making headlines. 20 years later, we're living in the world that the 2000s tabloids created. On this series, I'm going to tell you the story of a decade of American life through the trash we love to consume. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Claire Malone, and this is Just Like Us, the tabloids that changed America. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by USAA Auto Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions. Thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage is not one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how much you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Nissan SUV. Everything's better on a bigger screen, right? I mean, I remember seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark on a big screen and feeling like my life had just changed. People felt that way about Oppenheimer recently. Sometimes you need to see stuff on the big screen. That's why the 2024 Nissan Rogue has Google built right into its 12.3-inch touchscreen infotainment system with Google Maps Assistant and more right there. You can really see what's up ahead, and you don't even need to connect your phone. Find your new adventure with a Nissan SUV. Learn more about the Rogue, Pathfinder, and Armada SUVs at NissanUSA.com. The Rewatchables is brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find Higher Learning with Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay. You can find the Ringerverse with Van Lathan and a whole bunch of Ringer favorites. You can, you can find The Watch with That's right. Chris Ryan. You're still cranking that out, right, Chris? Mondays and Thursdays, Bill. Thanks for your support, though. The big picture, <laughs> Ringer NFL, you're on those as well. I'm on the Bill Simmons podcast. Are you now? Um, and coming up, you stink, Buckman! We're going to talk Parrothead. It's next. <laughs> There's still one last frontier where an ordinary man can be a hero. Howdy, there, Pod. From generation to generation. And I'm the It's the greatest adventure of them all. What do we say when we see a cute eight-year-old girl walk by? Steve Martin in a Ron Howard film. You feel like you want to throw up? Okay. Parenthood, rated PG-13. Starts Wednesday, August 2nd at a theater near you. All right, Van and Chris are here, and it is the third installment of Fucked Up Family February. I texted Van Lathan. has Has this series changed your relationship to your own family yet? I think it's probably changed the relationship with Rewatchables fans. I can't imagine they were pumped to see Rachel getting married, a movie that's definitely not rewatchable, but very important because we're doing these five films about fucked up families and you have to hit all the things, right? Rachel getting married is the fucked up wedding movie. This is like the fucked up family, but there's, there's hope. They have each other. They have all these people. They have history. They have generations. And I asked Van, I texted him, what movie would you want to do for Fucked Up Family February? What did Van say? Parenthood. Why? Parenthood. Parenthood. Uh, because I've been watching it for a very, very long time, right? It's one of those old, old, old Lathan family bonding movies. Not sure why. We went through a hardcore in my family, Steve Martin face. Like, we were the biggest fans of Steve Martin, me, my mom, and my sister. Maybe anyone. We watched The Jerk. Yeah. We watched, you know, all of these movies. So we, we and we watched this for such a long time. But man, this movie ages like fine wine. It's like really a fantastic film. It really is. I, it's my favorite Ron Howard movie for sure. And it's when I first met a lot of these actors too. 
I agree. I was I hadn't seen it in a while, and it's not on that often. I don't know if it's not on that often because the TV show and I mean, there were two TV shows, but the one that hit, I think, had a moment. I was shocked. This movie's 33 years old at this point. I was shocked how well it moved, how many characters they pulled in. Um, Chris, what did what did you love on the rewatch? Yeah, you know, this movie is almost as old as Steve Martin is supposed to be in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I loved how uh, they were in and out with the plot lines because obviously Parenthood, the show, but just watching television in general now, there are things that happen in this movie that would take 6, 7, 12, 30 hours to get through on a television show. They just handle it. It's just efficient. And it's just got, it's got a dramas. The story is a drama. But all of the scenes and the actors are working with like comic timing. So scenes that are really dramatic and melodramatic and sad will end with like a comic button at the end of it, like a really like a one liner just to kind of alleviate the pressure and the sadness of some of the stuff that you're seeing. And it's the perfect fucked up family movie because being fucked up is the point. It's like the whole point of this movie is like the fucked upness is is the whole point of the journey. Yeah, and that's the the beginning scene when he has the flashback to his dad basically paying an usher to sit with him at a baseball game. And, you know, the thing that's hanging over this movie is I don't want to be as bad of a father as my dad was, which I think was a big baby boomer generation thing. I know it was for my dad. My dad's oh, yeah. father was, you know, not, not a father of the year. I'll just say that. And I think my dad was driven by, I want to be a much better father than my dad was. And I do think that was an 80s theme. I... I think it's hard to, we have to mention, Van, that for this movie, 1989, we don't have internet yet. We don't have a lot of things yet. And some of the characters that are in this movie are just characters that we might've had versions of in our life, but we didn't get to see in movies or TV shows, right? Even when you talk about the oldest son that Steve Martin has, who's got emotional issues, uh -huh. we didn't see people like that in movies. Now, 2022, Twitter, therapy, everything is diagnosed. And we know there's a hundred different variations of that character on different shows. But in 1989, there just wasn't. And it was just like, the whole point is, yeah, your kids might not turn out the way you thought in whatever way. And how do you deal with it? And I just hadn't seen that in a movie. So I think it's interesting that this movie delves into that because it's something that we're still trying to figure out, like how to relate to kids. And we're talking, the movie's talking about therapy and things of that nature. But also it's like those two generations butting heads with one another, you know? Like even my dad's generation where it was like, oh, okay, well, you broke your arm? All right, pray about it. God yeah. will heal it. You know what I mean? And, and it's like now you're dealing with a kid who is full of worry, is stressed out, obviously has some anxiety issues. Um, and you're trying to figure out how in like a contemporary setting to best rear that child, right? You, you don't just tell him, hey, grow up. Remember the scene where the father, where the kid gets his money snatched from him and uh, Steve Martin is actually trying to console him? Yeah. And his, grad, his granddad is saying, yo, <laughs> go get your money back. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And knowing that life is somewhere in between the two of those things, you can't, like, let people bully you, but at the same time, you have to be able to emotionally, be emotionally equipped to deal with those things. That Clash of Generations is very much what this movie was about. And on a personal note, it might not seem like it now, but I was closer to Kevin Buckman, like, like growing up, especially around that age, 
than I think my father wanted me to be. Yeah. And so when he when he would watch the movie, it would be interesting because he'd look at the movie, he'd be like, see? See, there go another little kid worrying all the time. Boy, what you worrying about? Stop worrying. But everything that happened as a kid, I freak out. Ozone layer, freak out. Environment, <laughs> freak out. Nuclear war, freak out. Every, all the time, I'm like, yo, is the world going in? And my dad didn't know how to do it. My dad would be like, oh, yeah, one day, probably. You know? And I'd be like, what? So, like, watching the film for, like, my, my whole family, I think my parents liked it so much because they were actually going through it in real time with me a little bit. I was precocious and a little neurotic as a child. Well, and there was that sense back then that if if something was wrong, whether it was with your marriage or your kid or anything, you were embarrassed about it. You didn't want to talk about it. And it was like, no, no, no he'll be fine. And the, Steve Martin's reaction of, no, he can't go to that school he'll think something's wrong with them. It was just interesting right, yeah. to watch during that prison <laughs> right. because, by the way, really authentic. That was how people reacted to stuff back then. Um, and then, you know, so you have the parents' relationships to the kids and how whatever their ideal is for their kid or whatever they're worried about. But then you also have the relationship of all the siblings together with the parents, which I think really works. And Chris, like, in 15 minutes... I think they established like 15 characters. Oh, yeah. By the, by the time we get everybody together, when we see Jason Robards for the first time, we've met four different families. We we have a feel for everybody. That's about as hard to do as anything you could do in a movie. And the thing it perfectly captures, like I come from a really small, immediate family, but I've had experiences with people with bigger families. And it's the only situation that you go into where you're like, I'm spending an extended amount of time that in any other part of life, I wouldn't like this person. But I'm spending so much time with them. <laughs> so you get the Rick Moranis characters or you get like people involved who in your like in your holiday dinners or in your Sunday dinner or just like spending a ton of time with each other. And you're like, if I had my choice, I wouldn't probably be friends with this person. But that's just that's just this cousin or this uncle. And they're always around and they're always stirring shit up. And it's got like, it really captures how family also becomes an enforced social circle. Cause you know that the Buckmans just spend all the free time that they have being like, uh, let's just like go over to somebody's house and let the kids out. And then we'll just like kind of try to like slug it out through this, this Saturday. I really, yeah, the- I really love that. And that's the way that they kind of, they do it in a very subtle way. Like the dinner in the beginning when they come together and then like Larry shows up. You're just like, oh my God, like I have a complete understanding of how each one of these characters feels about one another, who who trusts who, who kind of talks shit about the other people. And it's it's just like perfectly tied up. That it's basically a pilot episode of a TV within TV show within the first 15 minutes of the movie. Can I can I interject something about that real quick? It, it that's something that struck me about this movie too. It also harkens back to a time where, and I, I I'm sorry to go cranky old man on you guys, where we kind of didn't expect these people to fit. We didn't expect people to fit into these neat little boxes that we had pre-constructed for them. So, like, one of the scenes early on in the movie where Jason Robards and Steve Martin are going back and forth, like, Steve Martin has had enough of his father's shit. So now his way of dealing with him, a man who he still hasn't had a couple of conversations with, is he's just fucking with him now. Mm-hmm. It's like, which wedding did I get drunk at? Uh, he, he was like, uh, that was all three of them. Well, which one did I punch <laughs> the band leader at? That was mine. You know what I mean? And he's just, he's he's fucking with them now. Like he's, because 
He's his dad. Like, there used to be a point where you, you had to find a way to get on with people that you didn't really kind of uh, kind of get on with. And I think f- having these movies and, like, talking about these weird family creatures and these dynamics and stuff like that, it was like a... We used to celebrate the fact that you had to sit at a table with someone who you wouldn't fuck with if they hadn't married your sister. It was just a more interesting, different look at society, I feel like. Yeah, the family thing, to me, is very similar to your sports team, right? Like... Chris loves the Sixers. He has to talk himself into the James Harden thing right now. We're taping this on a Monday. The James Harden trade, he just has to talk himself into it and hope for the best. And that's kind of what you do with your family, right? You can get frustrated. But I know how to do that because I just talk myself into, you know what? Andre Drummond can give me 13 minutes in the playoffs. (laughs) You're constantly talking yourself into positive things with your sports teams and the same thing happens with your families like my dad has this family with six brothers and sisters there's now a ton of cousins the cousins have kids and it's just this big giant family and guess what not everybody loves each other you know and when they all get together there's always like two three stories after and they go to the cape every year and then my dad tells me the stories after. I was like, I, I can't believe you guys all still vacation together. Like, but, <laughs> but it's just, Bruh. it's family. You just gotta, you're, you're through it thick and thin. I don't really understand it, but that's it's who they so are. weird. I remember my grandmother coming over to me and be like, look, I know you think that's your cousin, but that's not really a cousin. I mean, what you mean? <laughs> I'm like, that's not his son. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> I'm like, what? That ain't his little boy. Like, I'm telling you, we can count back the months. Come over here. Is that his son? I don't think it's his baby at all. I ain't never thought it. I'm like, oh, God damn. By the way, I'm eight years old. So maybe just let me play with him. All kinds of, I just, I would wonder how people and all of these secrets that you learn about these people, like through that type of shit. But I left it all in Louisiana. I'm out here now. Well, so if you look at the family that's laid out in parenthood, there's four adult kids. There's, Gil, the Steve Martin character, he's the normal son. His life didn't turn out 100% like he thought, but he's just trying to be a good dad and a good husband and raise a family. You have Susan, the smart, pretty, driven sister who's married to the maniac who's trying to turn his third one daughter into like the (laughs) all-time overachiever, and she's sneaky eating and eating cupcakes. You have Helen, the divorced, overwhelmed sister who just has no idea how to parent either of her kids. It's just completely run amok. The horse has left the barn. And then you have the scumbag son. (laughs) Chris is hero of this movie, Larry, played by Tom Hulse, who comes in hot. He's got like a Yaramir Yager kind of mullet haircut. That's exactly, Bill, you know, this is why you're the best is I've been trying to figure out what the hair, I, I was thinking more Richie Sambora, during the New Jersey era Bon Jovi tour. No, it's more Yaramir. But it, you're right. It's a hockey mullet. You could yeah. see him with the hockey helmet on. He's got a gambling problem. Chris, he checks every box you're looking for from a movie <laughs> character, basically. If we're doing Deion Waiters, it's like how many? 20 boxes? He checks 17 yeah. of them? Wild-eyed, losing money to bookies, <laughs> bad relationship with his dad, and overacting. Yeah. Ly- ly- lying about everything about his life and shows up with an illegitimate son. Or That's not right. an illegitimate son, or a son that we don't know the history of. But So we have that guy. And then the kids, there's seven kids. The overachiever, super smart little girl, which you know um, has not had any sort of real human interaction. You have the secretive, moody, teenage boy with emotional problems, uh, played by Leaf Phoenix. We'll get to that in a second. You have the other boy with emotional problems who needs help, but they don't know how to help him. 
You have the comic relief dumbass little boy who's just got the pail on his head and love him. It just Justin. Justin Slayers. Yeah. You have the middle child boy crazy little girl who they don't really kind of run with enough. I needed like one more scene with her. You have that's the high you have the high school girl who's all about her boyfriend and that's her entire life. And then you have Cool, the biracial uh son out of nowhere who ends up living with Jason Robards. So we have seven kids and then we have Jason Robards yeah, and then we have Todd. And then and we Todd, have the mom. Todd, you forgot Todd. Todd, Todd's in the mix. Well, Todd gets Mary's in the family. So yeah. that, so we have 14 <laughs> characters. Yeah. <laughs> that we have to deal with. And the one that they don't, the two they don't spend enough time on probably are the Robards' wife, the mom, who I think is just kind of the beaten down. I made my choice a while ago, but every night I lie in bed and think about that I should have gotten away from this guy. Has that look yeah. on her face. And then uh, the middle daughter. But yeah, that's, Man, that's a lot of characters. I just it listed is. 14, and in two hours and 10 minutes, I felt like I knew all of them. And by the way, everybody gets some run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, everybody gets some run. Like, if if Keanu Reeves is in this movie, maybe eight or nine scenes, maybe. Maybe a little bit more, a little bit less. But he gets solid run. Like, you know that guy. That guy gets an arc. It's very well done. Like... Uh, your, your scumbag Tom Holtz character gets his big scene, gets a big scene where he gets to challenge his father on the way that he was brought up. Everybody gets their opportunity to shine in the movie. It's just very difficult to do. I, I don't but, even know if you mentioned the grandmother, Bill, but she has like maybe the most poignant. Oh, yeah, there's 15. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. I should have. I forgot about her. Yeah, four generations. Um, Chris, how ripped off is this movie? Because I do feel like, at least with TV shows, and then they actually just make a parenthood TV show, but just the concept of family, a lot of different characters, their bond is the family, but it's just going in nine directions. People are fighting. I feel like we've now seen this over and over again for three plus decades. Yeah, I think that the the thing that this movie does so gracefully is it makes you feel like there's huge stakes with nothing really that big of a deal happens in this movie. Like, really, yeah, like, right. we're talking about two Little League games, a drag race. Car blowjob. And, and, like, a, 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 <laughs> some, 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 a car blowjob and and a, a school play. Like, what are the major events? In the, oh, and, like, a, an entertainer doesn't show up for a child's birthday party. Like, these are, these are the plot points, but this is, like, they manufacture so much, like, human emotion out of it. It's, it's a an, an hugely influential movie, and I think the tone is the thing. It's, like... It's like somehow really, really, really sweet. But when you actually think about all the stuff that happens in this movie, it's very, very real and very dark. By the way, I think that's the point of the movie in a way. Yeah. I think the point of the movie is none of this is that big of a deal. It's both the biggest deal in the world, but it's not that big of a deal. And it's kind of encapsulated in the one scene. The one scene at the end where his son runs on the stage right and fucks up the play when they're doing snow white he starts to freak out right and it's buckman's kid all the embarrassment all the shame all yep. of that's bubbling up to the top and then he just rides the ride right remember four scenes before then like like 40 minutes before then he was literally making his son catching a fly ball the difference between him being the valedictorian at Yale and a school shooter. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So think about how much he was putting on himself and his kid 
every single time they had a baseball game. So, like, I think the point of the movie at the end was, you know, ride the roller coaster. Like, yeah. sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, but this is your family. They're with you forever. So the point of the movie is that it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Well, I'm at, you know, obviously my kids are older now, but watching this now as a parent who's been through some of these stages, you know, like I remember we went to Ben's end of his preschool. They had a concert and Ben just got unhappy during the concert and like was stopped singing and was like starting to throw a tantrum <laughs> on the stage. And you're like, oh my God, are we going to have that kid? Is that, <laughs> this is the next 10 years of my life. Now, he grew up, first grade, he grew out of it. He was fine. But there was this moment where you're just going, you know, and then you hit these stages where all of a sudden your kid can do this. And all of a sudden you don't have to worry about this. And it really is a roller coaster in a lot of ways. So I identify with that. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to decide if this was Ron Howard's best movie ever. This episode is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. You can do it all right in the USAA app. And replacement cost coverage comes standard. That means damaged items are repaired or replaced even if they cost more today than they did when you bought them which could put your wallet at ease too, by the way. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Hulu, where this March there are enough new shows and movies to keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Stream the all-new documentary Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale set in Japan. And we are covering that on the Prestige TV podcast, by the way. All this and more is on Hulu this month. So what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. All right, Van. Ron Howard's best movie ever, Parenthood. Make the case. Okay, so Ron Howard's fantastic. We all know this, right? We all know that Ron Howard has got movies. If I was going to do a Ron Howard top five-ish list for me, I'm not going to do all of them. It would look like Night Shift. It would look like A Beautiful Mind. It would look like Apollo. Uh, it would be Parenthood. Then you can throw, what, the Cinderella Man in there. Like, name another one that you guys would throw in there. Backdraft. Like, backdraft, okay? I told you guys a story, and everybody's going to remember this. I don't I like backdraft. A, I did a movie. I, look, look, seriously. I did a movie down in Baton Rouge, and I was talking to all the firefighters that were on the film, the EMTs and stuff, and I would mention backdraft, and they would just fucking destroy backdraft. <laughs> they hated it. That's not how fire works. I'm like, all right, cool, bro. Um, but to me, when you look at Ron Howard's movies, the criticism is he can sometimes be a little heavy-handed. Sometimes the movies have a TV-esque feel to them a little bit. This, to me, is a grounded ensemble comedy drama that if made today... I think would be made with a different tone, but would be critically lauded all over the place. I think I, I think I disagree. I think Twitter ruins this movie completely. I think the movie would be different if it were made today, and I think that Twitter would be different. With, I think there are a lot of things that are in this movie. Like for for example, one thing that's definitely not in this movie if it's made today, cool is definitely not biracial if they made this movie today because. There is a the, little part zero percent <laughs> chance zero because <laughs> there there is there is a little part of that that 
makes Larry, they do kind of use cool a little bit to make Larry seem like a more tawdry, shameful character that not only did he go away and right. have a son, but he went away. Like a, a random black woman. Somewhere. Well, and you get yeah. the Jason, the Jason Robards look at his face. Like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Whoa. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So, but when I look at the film, I think you get top notch, top notch performances from everyone. I think the script by Babalu Mandel is perfect. And I think as a director, He's had more to do, but I think it's so easy to fuck this movie up if you do too much. But Ron Howard was in his bag. It's affecting. It's it's, it's full of emotion. It's full of incredible acting performances, like I said yep. before. But by the end of this film, you are ecstatic for this family that they have a brief moment of peace and understanding. I can't think of a Ron Howard film to where I've connected, gravitated towards, and understood the characters as much as this one. He's made a lot of good movies, but I think, in a way, this is the best one that he's made. And I feel like, in a lot of ways, it's, for it's for me, the most enduring. He's just a really good director. I, I group him with, like, Rob Reiner. Yes. And maybe, like, Barry Levinson, to some extent, where it's just, like, it's just a safe pair of hands. It's just going to be, like... The characters are going to be well-drawn. There are going to be moments of levity. There are going to be moments where you feel your heartstrings getting tugged. And he can do almost any genre. I mean, he can do a sci-fi adventure. He can do a family movie. He can do a comedy. He can do like a really like, you know, like those early comedies that he made. Those Some of those early movies he made with Michael Keaton are pretty edgy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for like, sure. To look, look at them now. And then, you know, he kind of just moves into, I do the blockbuster. Like I can come in and bring a blockbuster in on time. Like once he starts doing like angels and demons and stuff like that, but I just like if you if you group those three directors together, if you just had the like '80s and '90s safe pair of hands directors, they've probably made like ten rewatchables, you know, between right. them. Yeah. So like, what what does that mean? That means that like they make movies that keep delivering over and over again. Yeah, it's like Rick Adelman. Can yeah. get, you can give him the car case to a playoff <laughs> team and he'll turn them into a championship contender, but I'm not sure he can win the championship. I don't know if he's then, making Godfather 2, but right. like he's making... Beautiful Mind's the closest to a great movie. So my my Ron Howard Mount Rushmore is a little different, I think, than, than your guys. So I have this on it. Night Shift is just... <clears throat> great. You guys say the word. The anniversary Bill, is coming up. Bill, you say the word. Word. Love brokers. <laughs> um, so I have night shift. I have Rush. I loved Rush. Really? I thought yeah, Rush was Rush. fantastic. Yeah. I, I hadn't loved seen Rush. it until you told me to watch it. Like I, I really had never seen it until you told me to watch it. I watched it. It's cool. It's a good movie. I just Didn't you try to get like a Rush week going during Grantland? Like, were, were you just like, what can we do to celebrate Rush? I did write a Rush column. That's right. <laughs> so I would have Rush, Night Shift, Parenthood. And then for me personally, from a rewatchable standpoint, probably Ransom over Apollo 13. Apollo 13 annoys me. Dude, you you're out like of your Apollo fucking 13. mind. I know yeah, I'm out of my mind. That. I know. Like, they, like what's, what's, like, what, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, why? I, like, why, <laughs> why does it annoy you? I like it. I, I think I've seen it too many times that I've hit that point where I watch it and I, I'm not watching it, enjoying it, but I'm more nitpicking it and being like, ah, oh, why'd they do that? Ah, oh, like, the wife character. The wife character is horrific. Like stuff like that. Um, Beautiful Mind's not a movie. I'm gonna like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna fire this one up. But that's the best movie he's made. You I, I I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't like it. I don't like it either. Apollo like, 15 I, I, is like, so much better than like, like, I'm gonna be real with you. I, you it, it, in order to like have your 
integrity and be objective. I mean, obviously, it's the movie that he was most lauded for, so you have to have it up there. I don't like that movie that much. It's I've not, seen it once. I saw it in the theater. I've never watched it again. Bill, do you like I the paper? I respected it. Do you like the paper? So the paper to me is like a class. This is why I use the Rick Adelman analogy for Ron Howard, because I think he's been handed the car keys to a couple like incredible ideas that didn't got taken home. And I think the paper is the number one example. That movie should have been amazing. And it, I, I actually like it. I like it. I too. think it's fun to watch it, but it doesn't get there. But he had every piece. He had all these actors at the perfect point of their careers. He had a really good story. He had catching newspapers kind of at the perfect time where you would want to make a newspaper movie right before the industry is about to change. Newspapers probably still really mattered the most, 1994, 95 range. I never thought it got there. But I do think he's had really good taste with actors his entire career. He's had a good sense of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move toward this guy. I'm going to move toward... Oh, I forgot Splash. Splash is my fourth. Yeah, Splash is I have Night, Splash, Night Shift, Splash, Rush, and, uh, and this one. But over and over again, he was able to align with these actors as the arrow was pointing up, which is funny because we were talking last week about Jonathan Demme. Same thing. He catches Michael Keaton early, catches Tom Hanks early, catches Russell Crowe at the absolute perfect time. Yeah. He gets Steve Martin... During this Steve Martin renaissance from 86 to 92, Three Amigos, Roxanne, Planes, Trains, Automobiles, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Parenthood, My Blue Heaven, L.A. Story, Father of the Bride, Grand Canyon, where he literally ages into kind of that dad mm -hmm. part of his thing at the same time. But I just think he was just really good at aligning with people. Like Mel Gibson, Ransom, Van Do It. Mel, why? <laughs> Why, Mel? Why? Why? It's such a good movie, Mel. Why? Come on, Mel. What the hell, Mel? Why'd you do it? I, got, I, got, I, have to, I have to throw in one honorable mention for a movie before I forget. Let's do it. Gung Ho. I love that fucking movie. Like, you know, like, like I, 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 I forgot that he did that. I'm looking at his filmography, right? Gung Ho. I, I don't. Love I haven't movie. seen the movie in a while. I don't know if it's canceled now. Why would it be canceled? I don't know. I haven't seen it. I just, uh, it's, it seems yeah, well, like the kind of movie that people would just get mad I about for no reason. Now. I think there are cancelable scenes in there, yeah, probably. I'd have to say it again. But I think when you re, when you relitigate the 80s car boom and American manufacturers against Japanese manufacturers, I think it's still pretty, I think it's okay. Yeah. So one last thing on Ron Howard, and I'm older than you guys. Happy Days was the biggest and most important sitcom of my childhood. I mean, it was... When you look at the numbers, if you just go back and look at the TV ratings for, you know, the 70s, and they're way out of whack, but like, you know, the top eight shows were all bigger than the Super Bowl last night. Happy Days was like 35 million people a week <laughs> watching Happy Days. That's and so nuts, bro. Idolizing the Fonz. And Ron Howard was the star of the show. That's how we knew him. But we also, the previous generation knew him from the Andy Griffith show. Yeah. So he was... You know, as I'm growing up, one of the most famous TV actors ever, because he's on two of the biggest comedies we ever had. He leaves Happy Days. And when he left, it was one of the first times somebody left a show that I liked. And it was kind of like, fuck you, dude. What are you? <laughs> How dare you leave my show, you fucking asshole? What are you doing? And it's like, he's going to go make movies. It's like, fuck this guy. He's going to direct movies. Oh, really? And then he made Night Shift. It's like, oh, awesome. Ron Howard. And then that was it. But, you know, it's been said a million times, but just Bill, to, were you were you a big American graffiti guy? It was a little before my generation, but a giant movie. I mean, yeah. really, 
influential in the whole thing. Were you? I'm more diner than American Graffiti of those kind yeah. of like that ilk of... But American Graffiti is obviously hugely important. And he's just like, you know, happens to be the lead in that, you know? It, it, like my parents, we would like, we would watch these movies and they would call him everything except for Ron, How- Ron Howard. Dobie, they'd be like, yeah. Oh, they'd be like, Opie directed this. Uh, what was his name from? It was Richie, right? It was Richie, Richie Cunningham, oh, Richie, yeah. Richie, Richie Cunningham, Opie. like yeah. Opie. Hey, yeah, Richie Cunningham. He making movies now. Richie Cunningham directed this. Like, they'd call him everything except for Ron Howard. Like I, he didn't become Ron Howard to me. I think till after Apollo, uh, like Apollo, because I didn't know because he was Opie and then he was Richie Cunningham. Well, think how hard it is for shows that we've loved just in the last like twenty years. Like, think how hard it is just to accept anyone from The Wire in a different role or anyone from Oz or anyone from the Sopranos, you know, I like somebody like, um, Michael Imperioli, who I think is a really good actor. It's like it's Christopher over. kind of consumed him. There was know, no way to be, even he's see the, him. The next season of white Lotus, it's going to be like so funny to see how see people Christopher. Yeah. yeah. Gandolfini. Now Gandolfini died before I think he had that next stage of his career, but I couldn't see Gandolfini in anything. I just, he was Tony Soprano. And I think, it's weird to say this about Happy Days, but it was just impossible to think of Ron Howard as anything but Richie. And I, I think he maybe realized that. And It's also funny like when you're watching Arrested Development and his uh, na- his narration comes in to think yeah. about like, oh, this is the guy who directed <laughs> Ransom is just narrating Arrested Development. <laughs> Chris, I like your safe hands thing. I think there are, that would be a good, uh, that would be a good big picture podcast, like the Safe Hands Hall yeah. of Fame or something where it's like, these guys, they're not, it's not Scorsese doing Raging Bull, but you just kind of want to give them the car keys and let them take you for a little two-hour drive. Because I think the Rob Ryan or Ron Howard thing is perfect. You could probably have switched those guys for, I don't know, eight of the movies either of yeah, them it's made, like, right? I don't, I, did, did Rob Reiner's, the highest of Rob Reiner's peak ever hit anything like what Scorsese or PTA or Fincher, but no, but that guy directed Stand By Me and a and few, few good men. men. Yeah. Like, not bad. <laughs> you know? But I feel like Ron Howard also maybe could have done A Few Good Men and done it really yeah. well and done a good job with it. And I think Rob Reiner easily could have directed He got Parenthood. maligned for like coming in on Solo, but it's like when they decided they didn't want the guys, Lord Miller, to direct Solo anymore, they were mm. like, let's get Ron Howard because we got to yeah. finish this movie. The reality is that I say this and I've been saying this around town a lot. Mm. Get me kicked out of Star Wars circles. Solo is a perfectly adequate, serviceable, decent Star Wars film. It got destroyed. But now in retrospect. Now in retrospect that we've had a little bit more time, Solo's fine. Solo's a lot of fun. I love when Van pulls the around. I was saying this around the town. Yeah. I love when you go Hollywood (laughs) on us. (laughs) Around the town. Uh, Speaking of around the town. Very few screenwriter tandems that Chris Ryan loves more. My fucking hitters. They never miss. Lowell Gans, Bob Lou Mandel. <laughs> Nobody gets plot, character, structure. We talked about them when we did City Slickers. This is probably their... Uh, it's like if you had Fitzgerald and Hemingway writing your scripts for you every time out. <laughs> so in the research, the movie came with Ron Howard, those two, Brian Grazer, all just saying we should make a movie like talk basically the odd kids at that point there's probably a movie here with these kids and then Gans and Mandel figure they figured it out but it just came from that hey there's not really been a movie about a bunch of people who have kids we should try to figure that out and they do it and they do it really well uh two people nominated for Oscars 
Diane Weist, Randy Newman. Hell yeah. We'll talk about Randy Newman later in Apex Mountain. Um, $20 million budget made $120 million. Steve was the man at this point. He was the man at this point, Steve Martin. But didn't they do it had, something weird happen where it was like at 98 and then they did, didn't they like re release it so that it could get over 100 or something like that? I, I thought I read about it. Yeah, they did like. a re release when they got some of the Oscar stuff. There's also a really weird story about, um, I was going to do this in half asset internet research, but I'll just do it now. So Bill Carter wrote, so Parenthood was made into a TV series immediately. Mm-hmm. Movie comes out in 89. They make the movie in 19, the TV show in 1990. Bill Carter in New York Times after it got canceled after 12 episodes, he wrote, even before Parenthood was released as a movie, NBC decided to make it into a television series. The network saw a rough cut of the film and was convinced that the movie presented a perfect formula for success on television, the multiple family comedy, covering themes both funny and poignant with well-drawn characters ranging from toddlers to grandparents. And the whole piece is about, no, we were wrong. People didn't like this. They didn't watch it. Now, it was had a weird cast. It was like David Arquette, a um, couple people, but the kid, the Leaf Phoenix character, Leo DiCaprio, Wow. So he's he's the kid for 12 episodes. But it ended this weird boom. Chris, I know you remember this. The late 80s TV shows based on movies that all bombed. Ferris Bueller, yeah. Baby Talk, Working Girl, Uncle Buck, Dirty Dancing, where they were just like, let's turn that into a thing. So then, 20 years later, they do it again. And it's a really good show. Did you guys watch Parent of the TV show? I, I watched that show first, was good. The first couple of seasons I did. Yeah, I was like, I did three seasons of it. Van? Uh, a little bit, not that much. I don't. I because of that run that you. By, by the way, I know that run. Uh, I can't do. You can't I do the conversions. Can't do it. Even Friday mm. Night Lights can't really do it. I know it's a great show. People oh, that's love a, it. That's a mess. I, I know. That's, I, I, that's I, oh Bill, man. Van, he's he's Van. being vulnerable, Bill. Uh, Van, Bill, Bill, I, Bill look, look, see what's Van? Why? This is why. <laughs> this is why people don't open up. I've watched a little bit of the Friday Night Lights, but I have. But like, remember, I remember the movie's the, incredible. I'm with I, you. I remember on that Ferris Bueller's Day Off show, right? On that Ferris Bueller, they had like Charlie Schlattery or whatever yeah. his name as as Ferris Bueller. There was a, a scene that was so fucking hack. That I was angry. He goes, look at this. He put, it's a poster of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's got uh, what's his face in it? What's his name again? Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. And he goes, look at this. Matthew Broderick as me. It doesn't really work. Blah blah blah. I'm like, yo, man, what the fuck is going on? This is why this guy didn't have like. It's, it was so hacky. The Clueless had a show. They did this a lot, and they just yeah. never worked for me. Never I, it works. Never worked. I just Aniston. Friday Night Lights is a is an outlier. Aniston's in Ferris Bueller, right? She is. Yeah. yeah. I think the reason Friday Night Lights works is it was same premise, completely different show than the movie. Yeah, somewhere it's else. It's really yeah. like, it's it's two different things. All right. Uh, Roger Ebert, our guy, who is on an all-time hot streak on the rewatchables <laughs> with movies we're doing. How did four, he feel about Rachel getting married? <laughs> he, he loved it. Four stars. <laughs> also, four stars for Parenthood. Yeah. A delicate balancing act between comedy and truth. A movie that contains a lot of laughter and yet is more concerned with character than punchlines. Yeah. Keeps going. Raj loves character. Uh, all right. Let's do, uh, let's take a break and we'll do most rewatchable scene. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. 
Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All right, most rewatchable scene. I have a bunch of them. Um, just quickly, the the opener with, that, with Steve Martin putting everyone in the minivan, the kids keep coming out, they drive home, the little naked kid's wearing a holster. Yeah. Um, the daughter throws up, just that whole, like what it's like to have kids at that age. Loved it. I don't know if we get away with the little naked kid wearing a holster now. In 2022, I feel like that would be like a three-day... Yeah, I feel like I feel like Bill, you are you are Bill, you're so you're so gun shy. Like Bill, Bill, what's going on? Bill, Bill, we need to get you 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 Bill, you really I'm not touchy. I'm not touchy. I think cancel culture has finally gotten the best of you. I think cancel culture comes for that scene. Naked kid holster, pedophilia that people go. No, it's fine. I'm like, Bill, you're so All right, you watch. I'm telling you. next rewatchable scene. Bill Simmons InfoWars. It's also like you're having like this straw man art. This is like Nick Wright getting mad right. at people, getting mad at LeBron. Yeah. It's like I can't believe people are mad about no the naked kid yeah, in the holster. It's like nobody's I'm having so this. I'm so sick and tired of people not giving LeBron James's due. Like, what are you talking about, Nick? Come on, man. Nice haircut. Next, next scene. Larry shows up for dinner and tries to sell everyone on hydroponics. What's the deal, son? What do you have going? Has anyone heard of hydroponics? Well, that's great, Larry. Hydroponics is the growing of plants without soil. It's very exciting. What are you using, coarse sand or suspension hydroponics? <laughs> I don't... Hey, there's a guy with glasses and a lab coat that makes that decision. I make the deal. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> Chris, we've been doing this for five years. You love nothing more than when somebody tries to sell somebody in a movie on some random fucking weird thing that... that 10 years from now, this is going to be people trying to sell people on Bitcoin in a movie. Oh, absolutely. We're like, oh, remember yeah. that? The, that Bitcoin era? Your um, NFT cousin? Yeah, Larry would definitely show up and be like, as soon as I remember my Coinbase password, I'll be able to <laughs> pay back that. <laughs> uh, what was hydroponics? It was like being able to grow stuff that outside of soil, right? Yeah. Isn't it like you're just like, yeah. I loved it. Uh, next one. The principal tells Gil and his wife that Kevin needs a special school. Um, not the most rewatchable yeah, scene in the movie, say. but it, but <laughs> she but, smoked grass. Yeah, like, it's really, really well written. Steve Martin's right. great in it. I like how he turns on his wife. It's just really well done. Uh, all right, now we're getting to the good stuff. The entire birthday party sequence. Cowboy Gill. I was about to, yeah, like Cowboy Gill is fucking hysterical, bro. I didn't like the look on his face. It was like this. So I killed him. I blew a hole in him. This big. Actually, it was about uh, this big. You know, when I think about it, that hole was about this big. We get Cowboy Gill. We get the kid with the pail on his head just banging the wall. Uh -huh. We get Grandma inhaling helium. 
Uh-huh. And we get the sister talking about blowing Rick Moranis on the highway. It's just, <laughs> just so, don't forget, we get a real, real heat check moment from the stripper where she yeah. comes oh, in. Yeah. She's like, yo, Cowboy Dan showed up at the lodge and they beat him severely. Yeah. Why would they beat him up? Because like, they were expecting they, a stripper. I know. Yeah. But why don't they? Why, why don't they just call the company and be like, "Yo, y'all sent the wrong guy." <laughs> why they had to fuck over him? Like I don't get. I don't, I don't get that. There is so that, That's a pretty big screw up. Setting the stripper and cowboy Gill in two different directions. From the right. from like Parenthood through Rounders, there is this like kind of depiction of VFW lodges where it's like if you say one wrong thing, you just get the <laughs> shit kicked out of kicked. you. <laughs> Maybe it's still that way. Uh, next one. Helen breaks into Gary's room. Finds the Back to the Future tape. But no, it's not. She's watching it. They walk in on her. Yeah. Uh, and then Todd, Keanu Reeves, has the talk and then explains uh, that he was slapping the salami. A few months ago, Gary got his first boner. You know what that is? If memory serves. Oh, great. Anyway, since then, he's been, uh, slapping the salami. No offense. No. Apparently, he's going for a world record. <laughs> One of the funniest uh, <laughs> masturbation allergies. I love when the grandma comes in and is like, what, what channel is this? <laughs> the porn. That whole sequence is great. Um this is a small one, but Gil and his wife, after the kid has the chili bath on, and they're in the garbage looking for his retainer. Oh, yeah. yeah. His retainer. He's, yeah. Yeah. And S- Steve Martin's having a moment. It's like, you know, when your kid is born, they can be perfect. You haven't made any mistakes yet. And then they grow up to be me. Yeah. It's like, ooh, all right. This got deep. Yeah. Uh, Robard's asking uh, his son for advice is great. And you know, it's not like that all ends when you're 18 or 21 or 41 or 61. It never, never ends. It's like your Aunt Edna's ass. It goes on forever and it's just as frightening. It's true. There is no end zone. You never cross the goal line, spike the ball and do your touchdown dance. Never. I never should add four. Yeah. It never ends. There is no end zone. You worry too much. You always did. That scene's uh-huh. awesome. Robards. Yeah. We'll get to him later. He's fantastic. Well, the most famous scene from this movie, the big Little League dance. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the best moment of Steve Martin's career. Really? I think that, yeah, Steve I think Martin's Little League dance? I think him for that like 40 seconds, that to me is like exactly what he was, why he stood out. How funny he was, how his body, how just mm-hmm. his, the way he could use his body was unlike really any comic I can remember. And I think he's the only one who could have pulled that off the way he pulled it off. I, 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 I'll be honest with you. So, a couple of things I like about that scene is number one, the first thing he does is turn to Clint Howard and be like, yo, fuck you. <laughs> right. Like, the, like, the first thing he does is, ah, he caught it. My son, after your son almost messed the play up. And yeah. then, secondly, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but Jesus Christ, if you don't feel good for that man and his son right there. Yeah. Like, he's the boy caught the ball. He's going to be happy for at least a couple of days. 
it's just, it feels like so much was being put on it. And then the wife, even after that, says, yo, like, he, it, how you can't let catching one literally, one fly ball in the literally game be this much of your life. But, but it that's, is. it's such a great encapsulation of like the difference between Martin and Steenburgen when they're like, you know, sometimes he'll miss. It's going to be okay. Like, sometimes he yeah. won't, you know, like. Right. Well, that's my winner. Um, we'll keep going. There's two more, but that stretch of the Robard speech right into the Little League game is my favorite part of this movie. The uh, grandma's roller coaster ride story shouldn't work, um, but uh, I don't know. It's good. Let's, well, Craig, play the play grandma's speech. You know, when I was 19, grandpa took me on a roller coaster. Oh? Up, down, up, down. Oh, what a ride. What a great story. I always wanted to go again. You know, it was just interesting to me that a ride could make me so, so frightened, so scared, so sick, so, so excited and, and so thrilled all together. Some didn't like it. They went on the merry-go-round. That just goes around. Nothing. I like the roller coaster. You get more out of it. The the difference between the merry-go-round and the roller coaster, it's corny, and then they make fun of it. Yeah, and, and he that's says, why it works. Yeah, it she's works so brilliant. Martin, why is she sitting in our neighbor's car? <laughs> yeah, right. Steve Martin doesn't like the speech. That's why yeah. it's good. And then Steenburgen's just like, she's a very wise lady or whatever. It's It's... It's perfect that they, they don't immediately say like, oh, of course, that's the metaphor for life. You know, it's like they, it takes them some while, a while to arrive at that. Last one for me is the, uh, you know, I love montages. The heartwarming montage in the hospital, everybody yeah. in a better place. It shouldn't work. It should be corny as hell, but R it's pretty Robard good. smoking in a waiting room <laughs> full waiting of room. babies. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's pretty good. Van, what was your most rewatchable scene? Okay, so it's a couple. Number one, we haven't talked enough about Diane Weist in this. And yep. the scene where she is going through the pictures. This is perfect. This is what, the, I have this. Of what Todd and her daughter have uh, captured on the camera. She is in her fucking bag. Like, she is playing that perfectly. She is concerned. She's livid. She's impressed. She like she's she's all of, she's like such. I love watching her just go through the pictures because she's every single picture. Oh, the two oh. my two favorite parts in that scene. One is when uh, Julie's like, "I'm gonna leave before we say something we regret," and she's like, "Do you mean you're not gonna regret <laughs> the vibrator thing?" <laughs> <laughs> and then also when Plimpton's leaving and Phoenix comes in and she's just like, I'm leaving the house. I'm I'm moving out, Gary. And Gary's like, okay. And she's bah. like, see, you've upset your brother. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and she's uh and she's she's so on, oh, she's so great in this movie. She's so on, Gary. Hi, Gary, because she thinks Gary's on dope. Yeah. So she's she's always trying with Gary. And I'll just say the Two other scenes for me. One, the scene with Larry and his father is is very watchable for me. It's one of the best scenes in the movie because you see why Jason Robards has a Jason Robards has a soft spot for Tom Hulse's character. 
uh, he's the only one that bought into the shit that he was talking about. Like, he bought into it. Like, yeah. he listened. His dad sees himself in the son, even though the son is a fuck-up, he is trying to be the man that his father told him to be, whereas the, uh, like, Gil is trying to be everything but his father that. was not, yeah. Right, he's trying to be everything different than his father. Larry is trying to be his dad, he just doesn't see it. Little does he know in his mind that Gil is really more like him than Larry is, but whatever. So when you see him, he goes, no, 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 no. Remember what you told me. This is what you said to do. You said, make your mark, take a risk. Don't do what Gil's you. You told me not to be this, and so I'm doing this. And it's Jason Robards and his like his idea of life, what he thought was supposed to be, staring him right back in the face. Uh, I love that scene. And just to be honest with you, the vibrary scene is fucking hysterical. That's a hysterical moment. As a kid, I didn't know what that was. Like I like when when that when that came out, there was a long time. Like my parents, I, I didn't know what the vibrary scene was, and we'll get to the blowjob thing. I didn't know what had happened. My wife was just my wife was just telling me like the funniest story about seeing this movie when she was like, you know, t- eleven years old. And having like forty five questions when they got out of the movie, it's just right. like, what's slapping the salami? Why was he so tense? What happened in the car accident? Right. Oh man, I, I didn't know any of that. I'm like, when she came out me with neither. that thing, I'm like, like, what is that thing? But like, they just ignore me. They didn't even answer the question. But and so I didn't even get the joke. Yet it still, it sure was. It was big. She, you know, <laughs> having a good time. I had the photo scene in What Stage the Best, but that's right. I should have put that in rewatch because it was long enough. So, Chris, you have the photos as your most rewatchable or you have the Little League game uh, or what? I have the second baseball game because it's Robards and Martin and then it's like... Yeah, that's mine too. I also really, really love... just as a scout, as a guy who loves to crush tape, Matt's ability to explode from first base and get into the outfield that quickly is just really, really intangibles, you know? I was going to do this in picking nets, but we'll, let's do it now. That pop fly is up for 15 seconds. Yeah. I, that's, the, that's the biggest pop fly. Like, yeah. if that's in Tampa Bay, that hits the, uh, the roof in the Tampa Bay Dome. Yeah. It's up there long enough for the first baseman to run a hundred feet and collide into the right that kid, fielder. That kid, the pitcher throws like thirty-two miles per hour, and the kid with the bat hits like he has like a pair of Twizzlers for arms, and that I ball know. fucking skies like Dave Kingman took got a hold of it. I'll be honest, it with is you, unbelievable. Matt is not like a John Olderud either. He's not like a wiry, like quick twitch first baseman. He's more of a Mark McGuire. No, John so, Cruck. He, you know, John Cruck. He's, he's young Cruck. He's I, had, I don't think he's going to make it out there. I had in for what's age the worst, but I'll just do it now. Like all the baseball scenes in this movie are just terrible. Like the <laughs> opening montage of the Cardinals. And in the research, it said apparently the runner they hired pulled his hamstring because they did 12 takes. So that's why he's running so slow. And that, yeah, on that uh, nostalgia montage. But that scene, like it's just terrible. It doesn't look like a baseball game. And then the little league stuff was pretty easy to, to, kind of get half decent so yeah uh what stage the best lee phoenix yeah let's talk about yeah, of it of course yeah yeah, yeah. When he became joaquin like i don't know mid 90s but he went through a stage where he decided his name was leaf i did feel like something good was going to happen for him after this movie but at the time watching it in the moment it's like that's river's brother because river was a thing at that point he was stand by me made river a guy and then he'd been in some other stuff but then 
He's really good at this movie. Like, Dude, it's, you're not surprised he, that he's going to win an Oscar someday watching him in this movie. When he calls his dad, Jesus, bro, he's out of hand when he calls his dad. Like, the Fucking reaction awesome. he gives when he, and you don't hear the dad talking, but when he's like, maybe I could come live with you for a while. And like, he just, like, his face just breaks for a second. Like, he starts uh -huh. to cry. I'm like, how did, how is this kid this emotionally intelligent at this yeah. age? To be yeah, able to do this. Every scene he's in and then how his demeanor changes in the last third of the movie. But it's really like a great performance. I, I had forgotten how good it was. Didn't know it was him till after Gladiator. Wow. I didn't know. Like, I did remember. He I changed know, his name. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I didn't know it was, did, didn't know it was him till after Gladiator. So my sister goes, that's, 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 a, you know, that's a little boy from Parenthood. I'm like that guy, like River Phoenix. Is, is, yeah, it's like that's a little boy from parents. I'm like, oh, I I did not know it was him till after Gladiator. Seriously, didn't know. Uh, fantastic performance in this movie. You know what else aged the best? Something in this film. So Kanye West has a song where he goes, he got his new wife. Now you're Jennifer Aniston. He got that from Parenthood. You know, like like there's a song called well, there's a song called Gone on Late Registration, and yeah. nobody yeah. catches that. Where he goes, he's with his new bitch now. You Jennifer Aniston, like when she says he's with his new wife and his new. <laughs> oh, interesting! Family. I yeah. never caught that. That's absolutely. a good one. Like absolutely, like that, like that little thing is like, yeah, he put that in there. He's got that from um from Parenthood. I got it immediately. I'm like, y'all. I'm in the car, car with my homies. I'm like, y'all, that's from Parenthood. <laughs> shut up, man. Like, turn that shit up, bro. What do we eat at? You know what I'm saying? And they didn't have no clue. They didn't see Parenthood, my homies. Well, the Lee Phoenix piece. There's a three-part what's age the best here. The one is that. Two is Keanu. Keanu. Just like, yeah. just so so fun to see him like this early Bill and Ted stage before he transforms his speed. But also, um, and he's good in this too. Like, that, like for what that part was, I thought he kind of owned it. You could see how in the TV series, they give the same part to David Arquette, and it's like, oh, now we're now we're going in the wrong direction. Oh, he was taught, yeah, yeah. Um, but then the third piece of this was Keanu and River Phoenix made that movie with Gus Van Sant, and he was they were kind of all in the same group together, leading to the Viper Club. But but that this does feel like a weirdly like an error, like well, Phoenix, like Martha Keanu, Plimpton was dating yeah. River Martha Phoenix, Plimpton, yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's like just a, a lot of cross pollination. She's that, incredible in this too. She is. But then on top of it, the fact that we have Phoenix, who's now one of the, I think, biggest dramatic actors we have. Keanu, who's still one of the, an A-list movie star all these years later. And that, just to watch them be buddy-buddy in this movie as like big brother, little brother is pretty funny now. Yeah. All these years later. Um, the thumb trick has aged the best for me. I still love it. I stole it, used it. it never ceases to crush little kids every time. He's the thumb trick. So oh my God, they love it. Get out of their heads. They, they can't handle it. it. Grandma and healing helium is so fucking funny. I'm in general pro any scene where a character um, inhales helium is just always going to make me laugh. It's always too scared to do that. So there was a little Lee Phoenix, Leo DiCaprio kind of rivalry going yeah. on here back in the day. Leo went for this part, didn't get it. Leaf got it. Then Leo went for some other parts. Leaf soon to become Hakeem. He didn't get it. Uh -huh. Joaquin, not not Hockey. Joaquin, I know. I meant that. That'd be amazing. Joaquin Joaquin Noah. Joaquin Noah. Yo, um, he's Hakeem Phoenix. Hakeem. At 95 Starting at center. Hakeem <laughs> Phoenix. From the University of Houston. <laughs> 
But so so then Leo kind of market corrected Phoenix the other way. And then Phoenix fought back. And then, you know, then they both kind of kicked ass. But yeah. there was this run there where they were going for all the same parts. I didn't realize that. And Phoenix, there's some stuff on there in the research that about uh, where he really measured himself against Leo. Like, really? I, I think he knew pretty early, like, this is the other guy who's pretty great. And uh, and that was it. Um, Gary's room is great when she breaks in. I'm not even talking about the porn tapes. Just what a complete... It's like you're... My son's room is probably 12% as bad as Gary's room. And it's like a horror show when we go in there. Gary's room is like, oh my God. Does Ben have any security? Like, does yeah. he have a lock on the you're, door? You guys allow Do you have, it? Does he ever lock you guys out? Like, are you Oh, ever... he definitely locks the door. <clears throat> yeah. But... No, they, his room is not like that. My wife would. But just have, to like to read, not allowed right? an like, actual like, lock. Yeah, <laughs> we're allowed see, to go in his room if he's not there. Okay, but see, but see, here's the thing though. <clears throat> My parents also they would raise children. They would use the TV, okay, to raise us. Like my parents would do this. Black parents, they yep. would look and it would be like something would happen on a show, on a movie that I didn't even do. I didn't do it. The fucking movie character did it. <laughs> They would still get mad at me. <laughs> I tell you what, if I ever see a lock on the door in this motherfucking house, <laughs> right? You're like, what did I do? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yo, what yeah. the hell? See how she, see how, see how she talking to Obama? I bet not in my motherfucking life here you speak to me like that. I'm like, yo. First of all, it's not even real. Secondly, yeah. I didn't do anything. Man, yeah, I'm just sitting far? here. How far out genre-wise would they go with that? Like, would it be like watching Last Starfighter? And it would be like, if you ever go into fucking space. You're, I'm, I'm going to be I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. God rest, God rest my father's soul. Me and my father are watching The Empire Strikes Back. Okay? We're watching The Empire Strikes Back. Darth Vader is talking to Luke Skywalker, and he says... We could actually rule the galaxy together and overthrow the imp the emperor together. He has foreseen it. My father says Luke should actually go with him right now because that's his daddy and he should do what his daddy says. I'm like, yo, my G, are we watching the same movie? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like are, are we looking at the same thing? Like, he didn't cut this man's hand off. First of all, how does he even know this is that? But my dad's like, uh-uh, don't you ever disobey me, boy. If I say, come with me, and we're going to take over the galaxy together, then your best bet as my as my son is to come with me, and we're going to take the galaxy over together. I'm like, this guy's fucking out of his mind. But he just, that that is the thing. That's a true story. Well, you know what's crazy about that story? The what? exact same thing happened at Donald Trump's house. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and the son and the son went. The son went with him. <laughs> uh, more with Sage the Best. Recipes, Dad. The concept of Todd, every parent's worst nightmare for their daughter's boyfriend. But then he turns out to be okay. He's all yeah. right. It's a, it turns out to be a positive story. First half ever, like, oh my God, my right. daughter's going to marry this guy? Jesus. Uh, they, we mentioned the scene where Phoenix calls his dad who doesn't want to live with him. It's just a such a well-acted scene. Um, the scene where Helen discovers the nude pictures was a real thing that happened to producer Brian Grazer. I'm that's sure like... That's a tough one. People from producer Craig's generation that's were like, you had to pick up your too. photos? Yeah. You have to yeah. be really into documenting your sexual acts in the 1980s to, to like go through with it. The fucking... The, the, the guy who developed the pictures got to see him. Yeah. You're, you're really out there. Uh, the the Cures 
Boys Don't Cry poster in Julie's room. I really respected and enjoyed. It was great to see it. The tense face. I actually got mildly out of this in the early years of my sports column about different people who seemed like they were self-combusting and I'd be like the making the face like the little kid in parenthood. That face he makes is like a specific face and you can kind of see it in sports sometimes, variations yeah. of it. Sean McVay was honestly kind of making it the first quarter of the Super Bowl last night. But <laughs> uh, LeBron but, made it a couple of nights ago, down three, go to the free throw line with three free throws. Fucking tense face. I saw it on his face. How about LeBron, the entire 2011 finals? It's the <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> right. He, t- he tense faced the whole time. Right. The uh, the uh, last one I have for what stage the best. I kind of always liked Harley Jane Kozak. Awesome. Never quite made it. What else never, was she in? I don't never even really know happened. I, I was thinking about that when I saw. Like, what else did she do? Well, she was Helen in When Harry Met Sally. Oh yeah, that's right. She sure was. Which leading to the Billy Crystal scene, where he's like, and then you're singing Sir the French on top in front of Ira. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she was the guy who was or the lady who was with Ira but yeah Harley J never never told you happened for any other what's age the best for you guys I like how uh, how they talk about money in this in this movie and about how like almost everything has to be paid for and it's not like they don't hit you over the head with it but like Larry's debts all the stuff with Steve Martin and his job and how he's like I guess I'm gonna have to get a second job if we're gonna send Kevin to private school uh, Harley Jane Kozak being like, I can work, a, I can do summer school, so now we can afford to go on vacation. It's just like that doesn't really happen in movies and TV shows as much, where they're, they're just kind of like, they're like, ah, yeah, don't worry about it. They're just going on vacation. Like if you watch Modern Family, they're always just going on vacation. Right. But like There's, in this, money has no object. It's like they actually have to pay for this stuff, and it 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 kind of makes it a little bit more relatable. Um, Roadhead. Roadhead is aged really well. <laughs> I thought we were saving this for Apex Mountain. Yeah, I thought, man, you're stepping on Apex Mountain. I'm so sorry. We'll get back to that. What's age the worst? The baseball scenes mentioned. Todd's racing career kind of gets shoehorned into this movie out of nowhere. So, and we really have work. a whole weird yeah. race scene. It's the worst part of the movie. It's it, They have to have something just, dramatic happen at the end of the movie. I guess. Have him be more injured. It's like, he's yeah. not really injured. He just climbs out of the car. And then they're like, yeah, hey, come he back actually next gets week. A, he gets a job out of it. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, the movie, the the ending of the movie. If you're gonna nitpick, the ending of the movie is last twenty minutes are tough. Yeah. 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 A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit hyper rosy. A little bit. You know what I mean? So he he crashes. He's okay, and he gets a job out of it. Everything's just working out for everybody. Chris Lowell, Gans, and Bob Lou Mandel, your heroes. Yeah. They kind of needed a closer. They needed Myron Rivera to come in. They for need the, Bill Goldman to just come in and be like, "Here's the third act." Because City Slickers, same thing. Right. Where it's kind of like, oh, Jack Palance is gone. What are we going to do here? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, oh, now we got to rig. Also depends on, you know what they could have done? They could have killed grandma. And if they would have killed grandma, that would have given you a funeral scene to get out on and everybody's together. But that's not what they did. They ended the movie with birth and not death, which was a much more rosier way to end it's the Probably film. why it's rewatchable. Right. Yeah. Why it's rewatchable. Right. They could have killed grandma and had her taped to the top of the car like in National Lampoon's Vacation, but they didn't. They didn't do that. The uh, just what's age the worst? Just the school's handling of Kevin's emotional problems would not be how they handled it in 2022. Were they like they like jump them, ambush them with a therapist? Yeah, like, coming in from the other door is the therapist. Yeah, they're like secretly your kid sucks your and it costs us too much money, and Fuck we have that. to get him out. They expelled him. Yeah, that's Can never you happening. Imagine. 
Like never, they expelled ever happened. him. Basically, you can't come back to school because that's a that's nuts. You can't. I think that was rich even for then, man. Tell me if I'm wrong, but that that's that's a tough one right there. I texted you guys if they made this movie now, the kid with emotional problems and the tense face would cause a three week riot on Twitter, <laughs> and I stand by it. I think it'd be think piece after think piece of of how badly they handled it. Uh, speaking of badly. Things that would never happen now. The the worst case scenario dream sequence of the yeah. kid on the tower oh, yeah. shooting everybody. Yeah. That's There's not, also a random throwaway now. line where Harley Jane Kozak is like, we really fell behind because of the bomb threat. Like she just casually jokes about a bomb threat at the school. <laughs> right. and I was like, yeah. what is happening? And that's when Miranda comes in to sing. It was, I will say in the 80s, there was the tower shooting thing was actually like a motif for a few years. They did like, it all the time. Yeah. Like we... And even in college, like we had a tower at Holy Cross and we'd always be like, oh, that kid. But it's now it's that that motif's gone. And Full Metal Jacket, the drill sergeant brags on how well the yeah. guy shot saying that he was a, that he was yeah. an ex-Marine. Yeah. Yeah. That's gone. Thank God that's whole motif has gone away. Yeah. Lee Phoenix has aged the worst. That's just weird. I feel like they should go back and digitally change it back to Joaquin. So. People would know that if they him. were going to recut like a re-release trailer, he would be. It would be like Academy Award winner Joaquin Phoenix and Steve Martin. You know? I mean, they could do the trailer and put all the people in, and people are like, "Holy shit! All these people are in this movie." Jesus, yeah, yeah. fantastic guys. Uh, very small would say the worst, but Tom Tom Hulse gets thrown out of the limo. I love that scene. That really awesome. bad stuntman. Oh, really, like, is uh, dinner ready? There's, <laughs> there's an obvious stuntman in the rollover Bro. close up, and he's like, "Is dinner ready?" It's- Bro, that scene is hilarious. So, do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about Larry as a gambler now? Yeah, let's do it. That would that was going to be the last one stage. The worst. Oh, I, I gotta say, cool. The the cool thing that I yeah we covered. Cool. Yeah, yeah, we cool cool, got to yeah. be mentioned again. Yeah, that was that was rough. Uh, yeah, Larry's gambling. I'm not saying he needs to sound like Warren Sharp, but I right. think like having a, a character or an actor or whatever, and Tom Hulse is a great actor. He's amazing in, in Amadeus. He's got to like have a little bit more of facility with like, does it, does it, do I at least seem like I've ever watched sports on television? Do, do I, do I even this know? This is a late eighties thing though. No, people didn't really understand gambling back then. There was barely any dialogue about it. So they but would it, sprinkle it in. It was just like this bad thing people did when you lost your money, but they didn't know how to talk the language. You know what I mean? Still the way that still. he talks about the Super Bowl with his dad. Yeah, that's right. Did, did, did you see the Super Bowl? Ugh. I, I will say that, like, at this, I, I will say, <laughs> I will say that at this point, though, the only thing that I knew about gambling was that Pete Rose, Pete Rose? That was like at that point, like in life, the only thing is my daddy said the best hitter ever was a gambler, and then that was bad. Right. So yeah. it was, yeah. So it was like, it was, it was like, it was Pete Rose or something. But I just, I, it doesn't sound like anybody like when he's just like. Y- usually they're not that close. And usually the favorite covers the point spread. It's just like, yeah. oh, man, yeah. come on. It was tough. <laughs> right. It wasn't really until Brandon Walsh developed a gambling problem on 90210 that we that really popular, learned right? properly about gambling. <laughs> That's where FanDuel the guys got the idea for, for FanDuel. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Casting what ifs. Oh, wait. Can I say one more thing that aged the worst? Yeah. It's just Steve Martin's not 35. I looked that up. I had that in nitpicks. You want to do this I'll- now? I do, it's fine, but he's just not 
he does not look like he's 35 years. My old. biggest nitpick in this movie is he's 44 in this movie and actually seems older playing a 35-year-old and I think he's actually miscast as great as he is. So I'll 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 jump in on this. So Kevin Buckman is 9. Mhm. So if he's 35 and Kevin Buckman is supposed to be graduating college, that's what 14 years from then. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's 50 and he's already got a cane. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, he's, he's 49 or 50 years yeah, old. Right. Like, I'm, I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, oh, say it's 15 so odd years late. He's already got a cane and he's like like all elderly like that. He's 50 years old. Fucking The Rock is 50 years old. You know what I mean? Like, I know 50-year-old guys. That's not how they look. It's interesting. There's, I actually think it was a talent pool thing. Because you think about it, like Hanks, Keaton, all the guy, Costner, all the guys from that generation are too young to be in this movie. <clears throat> Martin's too old to be in this movie, but there's nobody kind of between those two worlds. The only one I was thinking was maybe Dan Aykroyd would have been the right age. Right. Dan Aykroyd or Bill Murray. The, the Bill, Murray's, Bill Murray's got explained. too much of a darkness, I think, to he's be the dad. Always, yeah, he's too, he's too cutting. Dan Aykroyd, maybe, but he just, we never saw him really succeed in a movie like this. And I don't know, I go through, I, I couldn't really think of somebody else. So I think, I just think they should have made his character older. I think that was yeah, the mistake. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, why yeah. not just make him older? Just say that he's 40 years old. It makes the fourth child, when she gets pregnant at the end, it makes it, if he's like 40 something, it's like, oh man, we're going to have another, like now, like this late in life. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a script writing error. Uh, casting what ifs. I it was really hard to find info on this. I, every person was rumored to be Gil Buckman. The only other interesting one was Robin Williams, mm-hmm. and oh, I wow. think I think that he could have huh. been the right age for this. I think he could have pulled off his version of the Little League scene. He could have been poignant, Robin Williams. But I can't imagine like Jason Robards as his dad would have been weird. I don't know. I, I'm, they Jason Robards and Steve Martin. He looks like his dad. Is yeah, they kind, they kind of feel related. Yeah. Anyway, uh, best that guy, aka the Joey Pants Award. So it's either the grandmother or it's Harley Jane Kozak. Uh, Chris, are, do, are we the only ones who know that her name is Harley Jane Kozak? I think because we keep saying it, it's Harley Kozak in the credits. But yeah, she's in the Dana Wheeler Nicholson three name Hall of Fame for me. Yeah. I'm going to give it to her because she was also Helen and Harriman. So this year, the Vincent Hanna Give Me All You Got Award for. Overacting. <laughs> Who would you have for this? I, kinda, I think Clint Howard after the first game when he's like, he had no, no business. He's he, he no yeah. been out there. He no business. He like he's, he's calling into Jastrzemski and and threatening to like throw himself off the Verrazano Bridge <laughs> if they don't fire Aaron Boone <laughs> later on. New York, New York. I'm going to talk about <laughs> the first baseman. He's the only player you got. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about. <laughs> Fucking nine-year-old kids, you dickhead. By the way, that's another like small baseball nitpick. If he's the best kid on the team, he's not at first base. He's, not he's at first shortstop. Base. He's either pitching or he's a shortstop. But yeah. to be fair, I think that Lou, who Clint Howard plays, has a beef with Gil because Gil's like, let's put Kevin at second. Yeah, that's it's bad. <laughs> Kevin's got to be in right field. No, to. but no, but you guys remember what happened. Yeah, because Gil hurts, took the- hurts the kid, but he's <laughs> yeah. got to just turn to his left fielder and be like, look, man, I'm going to need you to move to second. It's yeah. man, You got to make decisions. Those are the adjustments you got to make as a manager. Come on. Right. Come Get on, decisive. Gil. The Judd Nelson Award for the person who seems like they might be in a completely different movie named after Judd Nelson's award-winning performance in New Jack City when he's just in a completely different movie. Right. Uh, 
Keanu's like in his own movie a little bit here. He's got like his race car driving career and I don't really understand his backstory or where, what he's doing. So I, I actually wanted to give this one out. We don't always give this award out, but I do feel like Keanu is in a slightly different movie than everybody else, but I'm fine with it. I enjoy it. Yeah. I, it's Keanu or I would give it to Hulse only. Okay. So mm-hmm. Hulse is in the right movie, but I want to see the movie of him toddling on down to Chile. Oh, yeah. Escape the gamblers. He never makes it to the airport. I don't think he gets there. (laughs) Because Robards is like, yeah, you're never going to see him again. He's like, bruh, think about that. He's like, my dad's gone. Yeah, he left. Are are we ever going to see him again? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) To a kid. Is he coming back? Nah, he's never coming back. Like, that's the last of it. Chris, do you think think he um, maybe started a business with Lester from Casino? Or no? Hydroponics yeah. business. <laughs> Dion Waiters Award, our nominees. I, I'm not positive Keanu should be eligible. I think he's in too many scenes. So I, to me, it's Clint Howard or Grandma. I also want to nominate Dennis Dugan as Gil's boss. I think that's the oh, winner. That's okay. what I have. Yeah. On the, on the like he's doing he's doing the uh like the Peloton and he's just like <laughs> I own Dave. Like, who's the guy? I yeah. own him. <laughs> he's, first of all, he didn't, so he's doing his workout during his work time, which I get. That's fine. He didn't change. He's going to get sweaty in his Brooks Brothers shit. Fuck it. That's who I am. And then secondly, he's telling this guy, I own the guy. He's being a prostitute sin. This man <laughs> has a family and he's talking to him like That's he ain't shit. I, I don't even know if he has kids. I don't even know if he has kids. The best Dazzle is when me. he gets off his uh, his walking machine and he's, he lights a cigarette immediately. Immediately. <laughs> he starts smoking. That's fair. He gets it. Recasting couch. I'm putting Kathleen Turner in the Harley Jane Kozak part. All due respect to Harley. Kathleen Turner, right, at, right age. Um... Brings that kind of, she must have been a smoke show five years ago, but now she's a mom and she's trying to get a rise out of her husband, talking about how she used to blow him in the car. And I think (laughs) Kathleen Turner just crushes that part, just crushes it. I think she does, but I think, I think she's maybe, she was, Kathleen Turner had a real sexy. That's what I'm I'm looking for. No, that's what I want from that part. I want the I want the sexy part. But wasn't Kathleen Turner in 1989 like a much bigger star than that role She's, would be? Yeah, for sure. She was that's, big. She was huge. Listen, gigantic. Listen, that semantics. We get her in there. It's like, Danny, you're, you're filming five days on set. You're in and out. I think it could have worked. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a break, and then we gotta we'll rip through the rest of the categories. Half fast internet research. The porno tape that Helen discovers in Garrett's closet was wet, wild, and ready. Nope. What? That's what it said. It was actually Blonde Goddess, the 1982 classic. Apparently, the clip shown from the first scene was a parody of Indiana Jones. We had the adventurer Louisiana Smith attempted to rescue Jungle Jane. <laughs> that was the it's plot not, of Blonde at least Goddess. Gary likes the classics. You know? oh, yeah. oh my God, Louisiana Smith. Jesus. Diane Weist and Mary Steenburgen. Best friends. I did not know that. that Worked as waitresses together at the Magic Pan. Which, Van, you've had hamburgers from the Magic Pan, right? The Apple Pan. I don't know what the Magic Pan is. What's the Magic Pan? What's the Magic Pan? 
What's the oh, magic no. pan? The, the apple pan is right over here. Oh, I love that. Apple Culver, pan's right? incredible. Apple pan's fucking All right, amazing. you're right. I got apple pan and magic. I don't know what magic pan was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they worked at a bunch of restaurants, hit it big, and were cast as sister-in-laws in this movie. And That's great. Both won Oscars. The movie was set in St. Louis, but filmed in Florida. This is an abomination. It's just like they're outside of like a Publix. Yeah, there is no Publix in Missouri. Like, yeah, it's it's, there's palm trees and shit. It's so right. bad. Plimpton, you mentioned she dated River Phoenix for nearly five years. She was also bald at the beginning of the filming because she had just finished a movie where she played a cancer patient called Silence Like Glass. So she's wearing a wig. And then halfway through the film, Ron Howard got so fed up with the wig, he had her shave her head into that mohawk thing that she has for the rest of the movie, which was actually uh. The grandma, played by Helen Shaw, who thought she was going to win Dion Waiters, just cruelly snatched from her by Dennis Dugan. This was her final film. She died in 1997 at age 100. Wow, good for her. Great job by Helen Shaw. Yeah. Um. I didn't really understand this, but this came up in the research. During filming, the cast became obsessed with playing the murder game. I think it's like playing mafia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's that? I don't know what that is. It's a game in which one person's the murderer. They have to find a subtle way to kill other players simply by looking them without giving themselves away as the murderer. I don't even understand it, but they were playing it in the dinner It's like a party game where you basically, it's like one person is the, is the, criminal and then everybody else is like investigating and the criminal can like it yeah it's it's like it's through eye movements they're playing in the thing it's chris ryan knew what it was because he plays with andy greenwald um <laughs> just a two-man two game of mafia you guys are playing each other we mentioned this in father of the bride worth mentioning again steve martin didn't actually become a parent until he was 67 years old in 2012 and was yet in a, a dad in two of the iconic parent movies Yo, of his is generation. That true? Yeah, that's true. Fuck. Yeah. What a lie. This entire <laughs> fucking time. Are you kidding me? Like Jesus. Yeah. So the that's whole they call it acting. It's like What's it's like finding out cat? that James Cameron doesn't like water. Yeah. yeah that he hates jeez, man. Okay. Apex Mountain, Steve Martin. I think we gave it to him already for Father of the Bride. We said late, later career Steve Martin was father of the bride. Earlier career Steve Martin was like the jerk, Saturday Live, all that stuff. If you're going real Apex Mountain, it's got to be, he's the biggest guest host on Saturday Night Live, which is the biggest comedy show and getting 30 million people per episode. He's in The Jerk, which is a huge hit. He is doing comedy albums that are selling out. He's doing tours that are 20,000 for every stand-up he does. And he's, you're not topping Steve Martin in 79. What you got, what you guys didn't like? Uh, shop girl, you guys didn't dig <laughs> house sitter. This is no. heresy going no, on is... in this podcast. Mary Steenburgen, what is her apex mountain? It's not this. It, it wouldn't be the 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 fucking uh, what's the movie about Howard Hughes? Melvin and Howard. It yeah, actually might be this. Yeah, yeah it might it, be I this. Think it might be this actually. Yeah, it might be this. All right. She also R- her character and by like by extension her is. That she's the like who Randy Newman wrote the song about, right? Right, Ron Howard as a director, I think it's Beautiful Mind just because he won the Oscar. It's, yeah, it has to be, it's, yeah, because an actor, it's Apollo 13, but okay, it's gotta be, <laughs> Come on. It's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a beautiful mind, Chris, because <laughs> you love Apollo 13, yeah, so do millions of other people. I, this is not like a weird take, Chris is a patriot. <laughs> <laughs> 
for, as an actor, his Apex Mountain was the um, the scene with, in Happy Days when he misses the free throw, which I would encourage people to look up on YouTube. He misses the game-winning free throw, and then his dad offers him a candy bar. It's it's a, it's the all-time best Happy Days scene. Harley Jane Kozak, definitely. The 1935 Ford Model 48 Deluxe Convertible, 100% Apex yeah, Mountain. Sure. Randy Newman, I think, yes, because he had this song gets nominated for an Oscar. And this is really when the I Love LA became the staple at Lakers game. Because this is 89, right? Yeah, yeah. it never yeah. got better for Randy Newman. As you can guess, I'm not a huge Randy Newman fan. I'm a huge Randy Newman fan, and I think he's had several Apex Mountains. Like I he's, think he's like had one of the most mystifying, amazing careers. Yeah, Toy Story. Ever. It's like, yeah. Yeah. He's just like really a delightful little... So Craig's saying Toy Story for Randy Newman? Yeah. Well, he came up with the song that they played right after the uh, 2010 Game 7. As the confetti was falling down, I had to hear he that also fucking song. So I hate Randy Newman. <laughs> wrote the score for The Natural. Is that mm. true? Yes. Ugh, Randy Newman is making a case that he's had several apexes here. He's had an unbelievable career and I hate his guts. Because he's I the Lakers that. guy? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. The Dodgers guy as well. Fucking hate him. Like him. He's he's like the Lakers victory cigar. Who's, who is the Lakers song? win, they play his song. I don't like Randy Newman because of that. I have no other reason. Of the Celtics. Who's like the, the chief song? Well, for the bo- for Boston, it it's drunk. No, for Boston, no. it's Dropkick Murphys because that that got going with the Red Sox in the mid two thousands and Neil Diamond because Neil his, Diamond, Neil yeah, Diamond yeah. for a bit, yeah, yeah. But that's that's Sweet newer Caroline. generation Red Sox fans. The old school Red Sox fans don't like the Neil Diamond as much. But Dropkick Murphys that became so like, nobody writes songs for the Celtics. No, we have Gino. We have the guy the the in the the clip when. The guy from like Studio Fifty Four with the long arms dancing. Oh yeah, so that, that's KG so much better it. than Randy Newman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> the Celtics need to get on that man. Yeah. Parent comedy movies, Apex Mountain. Huh. I was trying to think of some other ones in this vein. All right, so there are a couple of movies here that I like. No, no, no movies that. There's a movie with Tom Selleck called Folks, where Don Amici is his dad. That movie is fucking hysterical. I like that movie. <laughs> that, like, that movie is hilarious. I'm trying to think of what else, though. I mean, would you consider the National Lampoons as parent comedies? The kids those are so are, young. Yeah, those are more... More just about classic. I was trying to know. think of ones with just like a lot of characters, like a sprawling movie with a lot of characters, but like tries to have a heart and is funny. Not a lot of them. It's not, yeah, I don't really do it as much. Yeah, and every it. every few years they try, like, they'll, they'll do like a This Is Where I Leave You kind of like movie and... Yeah, they they make them. It's a more rare occurrence now that they make these. Finn, what's the what's the black movie version of Parenthood? They kind of did it. So they've done it. variations of this, but no, they haven't done the exact Parenthood. They haven't done the exact Parenthood, but they kind of did. They, I would make the case that it's Soul Food. I'll tell you why. Soul Food's not nearly as funny as Parenthood, but Soul Food is a story about two generations of black. Uh, to a, a multi-generational black family. Uh, it's more about a matriarch that holds them together, but it is, there's like all of these characters in it. Like in Soul Food, the cousin that comes in out of nowhere, she's the 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 brother that comes from nowhere to fuck everything up. You have the main guy who's trying to hold the family a little bit. It's more focused on the kids, you know, but you have all of these inner workers between the sisters and then you have all of that stuff. There's a marriage. You, you could make it, 
the you kind of make the case that the Mikai Pfeiffer character is kind of like the Todd character, the new person to the family child. But I would say that it was so food. That might, yeah, that movie's not that funny though. It's not funny at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with to you, say the least. I'm gonna be honest with you. Sometimes when we go through this shit, it's not as funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> sometimes the, the issues are a little bit more dire. Kind of like, you know, when when we going through them. I, I know that 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 Todd had it tough about whether or not he was going to start the house painting business. Or be a, 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 or be a race track, car driver. Or be a Gary, race car driver. Gary struggling with masturbation. <laughs> yeah. Right. But sometimes our problems are a little bit more dire than that. You know, my man Why was trying it? to get a job after he got out the fucking pen. So it's just different, you know? Well, we talk about crossover movies occasionally in the rewatchables. Right. Black Parenthood seems like it's sitting there. It would be good. I think it's a. Uh, I, I also, to be honest with you, if I'm being completely serious, is I, I think though that we're just getting to a time where we can examine the lives of black characters and not have all of this uh, socioeconomic societal drama that are that is like injected into the movie, mm-hmm. like just the lives. Like I watched Nomad. That's what Land. I mean. Yeah, right. I watched Nomadland, and I'm like, do they have any movies about black people just roaming around? Like just roaming around, just like dealing with their own lives, just a self. And I think we're getting to the point now to where we realize that like we're not just all our struggles, our major struggles against America or the system or whatever. We could just deal with our family dynamics and things. What about just three generations? I'm with it. I'm with it. I mean, they have films out there that are like that. That are like that. Tell Trayvon, get on it. Yeah, yeah, we are. We're we're doing it. We're doing a lot of stuff. Apex Mountain, Tom Hulse. I'm going to guess it's Amadeus. I it's forget Amadeus. what year that came out. Amadeus, for yeah. sure. Amadeus is like b- before this, right? Yeah. 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 Where do you, where do you rank Amadeus, Tom Hulson Amadeus versus Garfield and Zip Zip Boom or whatever the fuck that was called? Tick Tick Boom? Tick Tick, tick Boom. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Zip Zip Boom. Who, Just, who is more over the top? <laughs> Are you asking me? Because yeah. I'm like the composer? I don't uh, know. You've seen both of them. I haven't seen Zip Zip Boom. <laughs> It's tick, tick, Why boom. are you zip zipping it? It's Whatever it's called, I'm not tick, watching tick, that. <laughs> My wife and daughter loved it. Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna go watch sports. I'll see you guys later. Uh, <laughs> and then Gans you come and back and like, how about that Super Bowl? Hey, <laughs> and then they're in there watching tick tick boom. You come in there eating like a fucking side of beef. Yeah, <laughs> you got the the man show playing. Hey, I'm up here watching. What's, oh, at the end of the night, rookie made a 50 foot shot to <laughs> beat a stre- me. A stretch limo pulls by and throws Ben out of the back. <laughs> yeah, it just rolls. Hey, what's for dinner, Dad? Yeah, your friends don't really slow down. Uh, 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 Gans and Mandel, Apex Mountain for them, for your heroes, Chris? I think Slickers is, right? Yeah, I would say Slickers, too. Uh, feel Good Little League scenes? Ooh, bro, you got a lot of Little League competition there. You got, you got fucking Rookie of the Year, just bad, floated. Bad News Bears. Bad News Bear. Well, that's kind of like, he wasn't actually in Little League. He was in so, Major League Baseball. There's an answer to this because it's not Parenthood. It's not it is. Parenthood. It's Bad News Bears breaking training. Bad News yeah. Bears 2. Or when Hardball. Tanner. Another, Ke- another Keanu Reeves movie. Oh, damn. I forgot about Hardball. Hardball. I was thinking about um, Tanner running around Everyone chaining, let them play in the Astrodome and Bad News Bears 2. That's pretty good, too. There's the also, game. But you're right. Hardball. Like G baby like getting to, the game I like when he think, hit. I like to think that this guy, that the guy in Harbaugh is actually Todd. Todd left St. Louis, moved to Chicago. Oh, that's a great one. That he started gambling 
because he had had a couple of conversations, right, with Gary with, or the with, no, with, with what's with, his name, with what's his face, with like they they had Larry, a couple, Larry, oh, him and Larry, a couple, yeah, him and Larry connected, and he was like, I'm gonna make somebody like that. He ends up coaching kids up there. Maybe Larry's bookies like buy co- Todd's racing team, and they're like, you're gonna have to start throwing some races, you know. <laughs> Uh, Apex Mountain for funny movie great grandmas. Great, really hard to pull off the super old grandparent character and have it be yeah, funny. It is very tough. So, yeah. This is up there. Uh, driving blowjob accident scenes. So the winner is um, World According to Garp. Okay. All right. I don't know if you remember that movie, but it was a scene in the book, and then they made it in a movie, and uh, where Robin Williams' wife in the movie is giving her guy she's having an affair with the bull job and Robin Williams drives into the driveway with the headlights off and rear-ends them and she bites the guy's dick off. Hard to top. Oh, that sounds hilarious, Bill. Hard Jesus to top. Christ. It actually, they made a way to make it funny in the next scene. That sounds fucking a barrel of laughs, man. Well, it's not like this Jesus was hilarious. Christ, <laughs> David Lynch movie. Blowjob <laughs> blow car accidents are never funny, Van. It, it, well, this one, it managed to be funny. Nobody's penis got bit off. This is fucking Oz now. It's like nuts. Well, that Very- leads us to picking nits. Wouldn't Gail's wife or Gail have been more injured in the car accident? Yes, yes, this is crazy. Somebody's getting hurt. She's either getting her head slammed against the steering wheel or... You know, he's getting world according to Garped. He, I just he don't feel garped. like they're both walking away from that. Well, one. we have to know more about the nature of the accident. Like, was it like he accidentally like goes up against the guardrail, or was there a, another car involved? Like, how damaged does? Because it's really unclear. Yeah, this movie really explored the PG thirteen parameters. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for sure. For sure, it's very heavy on sex. It's a very sexual movie. There's a lot vibrator, of vibrator, porn, blowjobs, porn, yeah. blowjob, the whole nine. Yeah, filming like taking pictures of yourself having sex, all this stuff about. By the way, this is the not the apex mountain for for Roadhead, though. Not the apex mountain for Roadhead. What is? What do you have for Roadhead? Uh, Pam and Tommy Lee, for sure, of course. An actual, you know, 1997 classic. I called okay. and ordered it on television. Like called, <laughs> like I called a human being. Like yo, like I, there was no internet, guys. You kids, they could just get to do all this stuff. And honestly, yeah. I had to call somebody on the phone, mm. give my full name, my credit yeah. card number, and ask for that to be sent to my residence. Okay, you had to go the extra mile for it back in the day. So what happened? Those were the days. <laughs> um, more picking nets. Rick Moranis singing in the classroom is bad. That's my least favorite scene. I, went through, I, I went just don't it. like it. Yeah, it's yeah, that's I like a, a fast forward. It's way yeah. too long. I can't believe it's as long as it is. Uh and then the sex photos, like I I just don't know anybody who just had their sex photos developed. Um, just developed at the local photo place. That is fucking crazy. Nobody did that. Not even in college, people didn't do that. Never heard of that. I feel like there was much more of a, like a taboo around doing that back then. Yeah, you just knew like who we knew? we went to like spring break and took all kinds of crazy pictures in Galveston, just like girls in bathing suits and stuff like that. When we gave them to the people, there were ones that they wouldn't develop because it was like know? against their like their ethics yeah. and stuff. Yeah, interesting. Could this be made as a ten episode Netflix show? It did. Get um, it. That's already yeah. happened. Probably unanswerable questions is our next category. 
I'll ask both of you. Would you have watched a 2000 sequel about cool? Oh, hell yeah. I think I would have too. Yeah. I think Parenthood 2 could have easily happened. You could have yeah. made it into like more of a, a thriller, like cool on the road looking for, for Larry. Like where's like going to Chile? Kind of like Shit, taken. You could still make that movie. Like Taylor Hackford directing. It's like yeah. a proof of life. Caruso's in it for some reason. Yeah, Larry's been like get, like making bets for like a Chilean like cool syndicate. Cools around. He's holding up pictures and it's a picture of like, you know, Tom Hulse in the leather jacket. He's like, yeah. yo, have you seen this man? He looks like Yarmir Yager. <laughs> right. Have you seen this man? <laughs> Finn, we, we didn't mention this. How did you feel about Cool being named Cool? The whole thing was fucked up. I'm gonna be honest yeah. with you. It's, it's like it's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean like, like I'm, I'm not. It's, it's one of those things where you're watching the movie and you just made the decision not to trip. I wasn't tripping then, so I feel like I shouldn't trip now. But it's like, you know, he comes in. He has the son that nobody's ever heard of. The son's name is Cool. He's black. It's the whole thing is a little bit. I right, guys, come on, and, and let's make the kid black. So we'll really show how far they, they did. It was not that big of a deal, but it was kind of like, come on, man. It's a little fucked up. Cool spot. I guess they, they could have gone Jamal, which would have somehow been like more fucked up, you know, but cool is, you know, this is his name. Another unanswerable question. What's Kevin Buckman's job now? I think he's the GM of the Padres. You know, <laughs> like, I think he went into advanced analytics. <laughs> You don't think he's the CEO of Twitter? <laughs> you think Kevin Buckman's into Bitcoin now? Like, you think he's like... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he probably... He probably had a healthy life. The kids go through tough times around that age. Yeah. I think... Mm. Well, well, Kevin Buckman's like my age right now. Yeah. You know what the funny thing is? I think, Van, like, I think Van has Kevin Buckman blocked on Twitter. Uh, no, I, I, I think, to, if we're being honest... Bill, Kevin Buckman probably works for the Ringer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that felt insulting. Like, like Kevin Buckman, Kevin Buckman probably works for the Ringer. Kevin Buckman probably has a, a nice paw where he discusses things. You know what I mean? He gets you in trouble every now and again. Kevin Buckman probably works for us. Makes the tense face every once in a while on Zoom. <laughs> every once in a while. <laughs> what piece of memorabilia would you want from this movie, Chris? <sighs> I mean, Robards' car, probably. The car, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the car. Or or Tom Hulse's hair, if it was a wig. Yeah. I just want to wear that around the house. All right. Who won the movie? Tough one. So it I is. think it's... I, I'm going to make a, a... I'm just going to throw this out there. For Diane Wiest. Like, the obvious thing would be Howard. The obvious thing would be Martin. But she's so good in this. She gets nominated. She's she in some ways is got like, you know, less to she has less time on screen than Martin to make her case. But I think she's like amazing in every scene she's in. She's funny. She's heartbreaking. What do you think? I thought she was awesome in the movie. And I also re we didn't talk about her enough. I really like Steenburge in this movie. She's, she's great. great. I, I thought she's just so grounded. She's perfect. It's the perfect kind of couple that makes sense. I know couples like that where one's the even killed one, the other one's kind of the wild card. Um, she's really likable. Also, she 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 breaks out of a concrete cell that you could put that character in. Yeah, that character sucks ninety percent of the time. But she yeah. actually, the character herself talks about like talks about that. Everybody yeah. wants me to go back to work, but what if this is what I like like doing? You know? Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I think I think Ron Howard wins the movie because it's coming off. We didn't mention this. It was coming off Willow, which was a bomb, and he had done three straight comedies basically. And it was like, what? What is this guy? Is, can can he only direct like funny movies built around like an awesome stars? Is he actually a real director? He makes this, and that opens the door for the next thirty years of movies for him. So I would vote for him. I'm gonna go. Steve Martin, just because uh, Diane Weiss is the best in this movie. She's just amazing. But I'm going to go with Steve Martin just because I don't know that there's an other role, a, another role, should I say, that gives him the latitude to show the complete limits of his powers. Like the cowboy gill scene is classic yep. Steve Martin. He's going back and forth with Jason Robards. That's like highbrow actor Steve Martin. He's just all over the place in this movie, like scoring buckets everywhere. It's a trip. Yeah, he's amazing. I mean, he he really he. You're right. It's like this is like if Steve Martin's a five tool guy, like he gets yeah. to show off every five tool, all the five yeah. tools. Um, producer Craig, are you there? Yeah. What you think of this movie? Uh, I liked it a lot. I honestly, when I watch movies set in this time period, and I have this weird nostalgia, even though I wasn't alive during this time for like life, the way it looked then the clothes they wear, like the way the kids like hang out in the house, like the level of technology that people had. I don't know. There's something about that time that just like felt very simple in a, in a great way. Yeah. That, that seemed like the most fucking insulting thing that anyone has ever seen. Get your young ass out of here. <laughs> I, don't need, like, 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 I you totally look, agree with them. I, I, I get it. I, I get the you, level of technology. Motherfucker, it was 1989. He's not saying we were churning butter. He was just, just saying it's it's nice just that like, we didn't have fucking phones like, on our I, face I, all like, the time. Craig, you know I fuck with you heavy. But I feel in a way about what you just said. You fucking kids. You see, we're going to do rewatchables around Arthur the Aardvark or something like that so that you can tell us about what we're <laughs> I like. I like having the film camera. I like no iPads. I don't know. I like... I like, yeah, it. I like Not a lot time. of video games. Three porn tapes. <laughs> right. It's a simpler time. By the way, not even the cool VHS. The VHS where it pops up out the top. Oh, yeah. And then you have to put the tape in there and put that bitch down like that. And that thing, even, that thing broke within four months. All, all of a sudden, time. that thing was not popping up anymore. Jesus, right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Craig. It did remind me of like, and this is basically the case through like 1995. Where they, there's just this kind of era where it's just like people having conversations. And that's I also moving. just like the way even the, it looked on camera. Like, I like the way yeah. sitcoms look in the 90s. I like the way, like, when Harry Met Sally, which is the same year as this movie, I think. Like, yeah. I just like the way it's filmed. Like, like the physical, like, composition of the screen. I think it just looks better than movies now. I don't know why. Um, before we go, Ivan Reitman died yesterday. I saw that. Who we've done a couple of rewatchables of that he was involved with. But just an awesome career. Um, kind of a... I, a surprising one. He was only seventy five. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he was sick or anything. He was just involved in the Ghostbusters remake with his son Jason, who I got to know over the years. Who's a great guy, um, but just such an important, influential career on not just movies, but how he influenced comedy and um, and culture. You know, and the fact that he was a director and was also at the same time was able to transition becoming a producer and these different generation of filmmakers and actors that he uh he affected so it's it's weird to think of the rewatchables when somebody great dies but it was like what that was one of the things with him is he made these movies that were incredibly rewatchable we did dave we did stripes last year um Jesus he just Christ had Christ such a good, good sense of yeah. of just what a lot of people would like that didn't feel kind of 
standard that was a little ahead of its time, had an edge. Um, but yeah, I was I was bummed. Chris, I, I know you were a huge fan. Yeah, it's like I think the influence thing is the thing that came to my not obviously like with the son, but like just like there's no Seth Rogen without Ivan Reitman. There's no like the way that the Apatow movies get worked out now. Yeah. Like all these movies that have like a basically like a really tidy concept in like that you could pitch in an elevator, but then the rest of the movie feels so organic and funny and real and human. That's that's a lot of that is from Reitman. Did you guys do Ghostbusters? You haven't done that, have you? We've been we've been saving that one. Yeah, he's he tapped into that comedy kind of anti. We talked about it in the stripes pod. The kind of slight anti-hero kind of loser, the mm-hmm. lovable loser, able to turn it around. That just became the staple of comedies, right? That's like how many Apatow movies were there like that? How many movies in general have that kind of principle? You could go even like movies like Dirty Work. But they're and just, all like and just that's the idea that a comedy premise. could like take in like sci-fi or a, to- a comedy could be an action movie or a comedy could be a workplace movie, like just breaking up the genre a little bit. And I think that's the thing that like uh, that always stood out with me for him is that like there are certain names that you just associate with time to have a good time when you're watching the movies. Just like if you see Bill Murray's name in the credits for a certain point, especially it was like, you knew that it was time to have some fun. You knew that yeah. it was time to get into something, no matter what the premise of the movie was. If the premise was set in Chernobyl, you knew that it was going to be a fun time in Chernobyl. And Ivan Reitman's name is exactly the same way. If you see that name, you know, we're going to have some fun. You're going to get some laughs. You're going to get some good storytelling. So it was definitely, definitely tough to, to see that. Yeah, that's a great point. You saw his name. It was like a stamp of approval for whether yeah. you're going to have a good time yeah. or not. He just had sure. such a good sense of, you know, a movie like Dave that just shouldn't have worked the way it did. But um, and Delightful. Then, yeah. The other thing is these movies that, you know, a lot of them are late 70s, 80s, early 90s. And then like the Craig generation, those movies still hold up. Like I'm yeah. sure you've seen a bunch of them, right, Craig? Like. Yeah, Animal House, Stripes, Meatballs, oh, yeah. all that stuff. Like I haven't seen Meatballs actually, but yeah, Meatballs kind of timeless. I you'd meatballs be surprised. Works. Yeah, yeah, Meatballs works. Um, but anyway, wanted to uh, wanted to mention him because he was uh, really one of the greats. Anyway, that's it for the rewatchables produced by Craig Corlbeck. As always, you can listen to Van on Higher Learning and on uh, Ringerverse. You can hear Chris on the Watch and the Big Picture and Ringer MBA. And we'll be back. We have two more. Effed up family Februarys. Craig, we might do two next week. Might do double dip next week. Might try to cram in. There's nothing going on. There's no basketball next week. So we might might do a double. Anyway, we will uh, see you next week. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.